Good morning. Um, it is, my name is Emily. I'll start with that. <laughs> um, it is such an honor to be able to worship with you. So we're going to continue that with the reading of our scripture today. Um, so stay standing while we read it. When I finish, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. You'll respond with praise be to God. So Luke 4, 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this temptation, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, uh, I encourage you to find one. We're in Luke uh, chapter 4, uh, as Emily just read, and we're going to pick up and continue on there today as we've been in uh, Luke, and we're going to continue through the book of Luke and into Acts, and that's going to take a while, and we're just enjoying that and sitting in that. We've finished three chapters. We're starting the fourth chapter today. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here. If, if we haven't met, if you don't know me, um, I'm just great to be with you uh, today here in the room as uh, Colette has already uh, just congratulated you by making it in here. Uh, if you're online and awake, uh, we're glad to be with you in this way. If you're watching or listening at another time, uh, just good to be gathered together in some form at some time or another and opening up scripture and asking God to, to shape us through, through his word. So I'm going to pray uh, and then we're going we're gonna to pick up right uh, in Luke chapter 4 verse 1. So let's pray together. God, it's so good to be with you in your space and in your time to put a pause on our week, on our schedule, on our day, and just to step into your time fully and to be with you and to meet with you and your people and to hear from you. And so we, uh, we ask for that right now. We ask that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would teach us. Uh, we want to hear from you and we want to worship you and we want to lift our voices to you and we want to hear more of your truth and your goodness and of your story um, we want to hear more of your character, and would that just would that, that just come so clearly to us today and in this moment? And Holy Spirit, as we've already sung, uh, we want to be filled by you. And I think we sang the words that I want to be filled more up by you, or something like that. And as I sang that today, I I said I I can actually think of other things that I want, and that was not the lyrics that I was singing. And so I just confess that now that I want to want more of you, Holy Spirit. And in the competition in my mind and heart for all of the other wants and desires and needs that I have, would you rise to the top this morning, Holy Spirit, and would you form and shape and convict and comfort and work in me and each of us, and would we be different because we've met with you and experienced you this morning? And Jesus, 
our hope is in you, our salvation is in you, our healing comes through your sacrifice. And so would you guide us and teach us today, even as we look closely at a few days in your life, would you help us to gain a, a mental picture of that and an inspiration from you that would actually shape us and that we would become more like you, even in this day. And so would you speak to us now as we read your word, read your story, read your life. It's in your name that we pray, amen. So uh, temptation is a real fun thing to talk about. Um, I don't know if you've given much thought to uh, how temptation works in your life or how it shows up or what your experience with temptation is like. Uh, I, when I hear that word, when I read that word, when I say that word, um, only negative things come to mind. Only areas and moments of failure, uh, of weakness, of insecurity, of poor decisions, uh, of uh, damaged life relationship, whatever it might be, only negative things come up. And so we're going to read a story again today together that is all good stuff that comes through temptation. And that might be foreign to you and I, but that's what we're going to do. I uh, find a lot of um, connection and I resonate with the words of Paul, uh, who is this just absolute man after God's heart who's pursuing Jesus after a whole long time of not. And then he just travels uh, the ancient world and plants churches and writes a lot of letters. And in Romans chapter 7, he has this little, it's like a peek into his journal. It's not intended to be a journal, but we get a peek into his life. And Paul just writes this confusing couple sentences in verses 14 through 20, and he says, I, I don't do what I do want to do, and I, I do what I hate to, to do, and then I don't do, and it's, just, it's almost hard, it's tongue-twisting to read. And yet I think all of us can relate to that. That I set out to be one kind of person, I ended up being a different kind of person, at least in a moment or a time or a season. That I've done things that I said I didn't want to do. Whether it's just a lack of self-discipline or if it graduates into addiction, we can relate to that just pouring out of, of Paul's heart in those few verses of saying, I live in this tension of internal turmoil and it's like I'm fighting with myself. And that that captures the human condition, doesn't it? We've all experienced that. We know what that's like. And yet there's something else at work. There's an external battle going on as well. It's not just internal. We have an internal battle because there's already an external battle. And what we're gonna look at closely today is a few days in the life of Jesus. And these are critical days at a turning point in his life. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna follow Jesus as he goes through these few days. And he is going to demonstrate for us how to handle that internal tension that is caused by an external battle between him and Satan. And we're gonna read and see how he navigates that. And as we do that, what we're going to find is that we learn a lot about ourselves as we follow Jesus through these few days. We learn a lot about ourselves, and we're gonna look at three things in particular about ourselves that we learn in the life of Jesus, that Jesus reflects back to us. And then I've got a couple questions that I want to end to that I just think that these just it just pushes us right towards it. I think they're obvious questions and I wanna end on those. So we're gonna learn a little bit about ourselves as we look at Jesus, we're gonna end with a couple questions. As we talk about temptation, as Jesus demonstrates what it's like to go through temptation, have only good things come of it. There's a little kind of important things to note about temptation. And one is, is that in Hebrews chapter four, uh, verse, throw it up there, it's uh, 15. This is talking about Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He went through temptation and didn't sin. 
fully God, fully human. He stepped into our skin, our condition, our world, our climate, lived here among us, and experienced every kind of temptation that we've experienced. That's how we can learn from him about ourselves. This, Jesus did this. The other thing that's important to know about temptation is that as we face challenges and internal turmoil but based on an external battle, that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Some of you read that and you, you hear, amen. Thank goodness, that's such good news. And others of you read it, and this is how I read it. And I immediately begin debating with this and running through my own life and go, ah, I think I've had some stuff that I couldn't handle. And this is a good reminder and a reframer. So no, God's never put anything in front of me that I can't handle. He's put things in front of me that I've been in a moment of weakness. I've made a poor decision. Or I've intentionally done something I knew I should not or would harm me or other people. But scripture tells us, and God is good, and says to us, I'm not gonna put anything in front of you that you can't handle. You actually can handle this. And as we look at Jesus, as we follow him through these few days, we'll see how he handled it, and it will guide us in how we can handle it in our own lives today. So let's dive in. Luke chapter four, verse one, uh, says this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing, during those days, so he fasted, and at the end of them, he was hungry. I find humor at different places through scripture, and this is one of them, like, why are you telling us he's hungry? We, like, that's obvious, right? We know that. And you, you might be saying, well, Luke is a physician, because we know that in scripture, and so maybe Luke is kind of showing off and saying, like, oh, hey, I'm a doctor, and I know that when somebody doesn't eat for 40 days, they're hungry, and so I'm just going to put that in my book that I'm going to name after myself, the book of Luke. 40 days not eating. I, I don't know if you've ever done that before. I have never fasted for 40 days. Um, I've only read about it. Something interesting happened. Uh, interesting is probably not the right word. Uh, something very uh, uncomfortable and even scary happens when you fast for 40 days, be, meaning you don't eat solid food for 40 days, but you do drink liquids. The human body can do this. This is possible. We read about it in Scripture and a number of different times. Jesus actually does it. Jesus drinks but doesn't eat for 40 days, at which point he's hungry. What happens, and this is, again, not done this. I've only read about this. But you get really, really hungry up front, and then at some point in the 40 days, you pass through hunger, and you're on the other side, and you're not hungry anymore. I know, probably no one has ever experienced that. If you fasted for 40 days, um, thank you for not going around and bragging about it, um, but you've experienced this. You, go, you, you, you adjust, and you're not hungry anymore. As you approach 40 days and get close to 40 days, what happens is the hunger comes back. And the hunger comes back because you've, your body has used every source that it can, every nutrient that it can, and it becomes hungry again because it's preparing to shut down and die. So what Luke is telling us here is that, that Jesus has gone through all that experience over the course of 40 days and his body is getting ready to shut down and die. He is near the end of his 40-day fast and he's going to go start eating again a little bit at a time. That's what Jesus is going to do. But he's hungry again. He's all the way at this point. Can't imagine being there. But Jesus is there wandering in the wilderness for 40 days and he has this experience 
with the devil. It says he's been tempted by the devil. He's going to be tempted by the devil. He has been throughout that time. The timing of this is absolutely fascinating, and it's interesting to try to view this in, in, in assessing our own lives. Jesus goes into the desert, and it says that he doesn't just choose to go in. He's led by the Holy Spirit. This isn't accidental. Jesus doesn't get lost off the trail and wander around for 40 days. He's not being punished by his father. That was never a need or anything that ever happened or, or would have any reason for happening. Jesus is intentionally led by the Holy Spirit to go into the desert. So God ordained this. God designed this time of tempting or testing. It's going to reveal the kind of Savior and Messiah that Jesus is going to be. We're just getting to know Jesus. See, just a few verses earlier, we learned that he's about 30 years old and that he's just been baptized. And read what's just happened in chapter three of the book of Luke. It says this. Um, back up one, I think. Here we go. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was, as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. There's a bunch of people out of the Jordan River, and John the Baptist is baptizing them, and Jesus comes down and Jesus is baptized. In the other gospels, in Matthew and Mark, um, they describe it in different ways. There's more detail than there is in, in the book of Luke as we're working through it. But Jesus comes down and is baptized, and the dove comes down, and then there's this voice from heaven that says, you're my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. God is identifying, this is, this is my son. This is the Messiah. This is your Savior. This is Jesus the Christ. This is... Um, this would be like Jesus's, to date, his, his viral moment. Like, everyone would have known this. This is like his coming out party. This is his announcement of who he is. Now, they didn't have, you know, phones and couldn't text and take pictures and all that kind of things, but word would have spread like wildfire immediately. This is what just happened out at the Jordan. This crazy guy, John the Baptist, and these people have been repenting, wanting to come back to God and hear the voice of God, and John the Baptist was baptized, and this one person got in, and his name was Jesus, and this whole scene happened, and so everybody begins to learn about this. It just, it goes viral. Jesus' announcement of this is who I am happens in that moment. Now, um, I don't know that I've, I've actually been around a, a, a somebody who has uh, had a viral moment um, to, to experience that with them. Um, I've, I've met here and there people who are like quasi-famous, and that's, you know, whatever, but Jesus would have risen to that almost instantly. Now, in our time, in our day, in our moment, and if this was you, what would you have done? I mean, some of us would have like tried to monetize it, right? Um, we would have tried to you know, expand it and make it bigger and have it continue and not stop. Some of us would have been freaked out and gone and hid in our bed and you know, closed the door and turned the light off. Like, you know, we all have different reactions. Jesus obeys his Father in that moment. Jesus obeys his father and follows the leading of the Holy Spirit and goes off the grid, and he disappears. His one public coming out party announcement, and he goes away. And the reason he goes away is he's going to go through this temptation, and what's going to happen is he's going to say, this is the kind of Messiah I'm going to be. His character is going to be further revealed as he experiences temptation. And here's the first one. Verse 3, the devil said to him, here's the first one, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man, man shall not live on bread alone. Okay, pretty, pretty simple kind of exchange. 
Um, we've established that Jesus is like beyond hungry. He's like chapter two hungry. He's like crazy hungry. He needs food. His body needs food. That's a, that's a normal, natural, legitimate desire. And it's beyond a desire. It's a need. He needs this. He has a desire and a need for food. And the devil is like hanging out next to him. And this is, this is just a, you know, a good starting point for the devil to kind of you know, get, a, get a little bit of foothold. Hey, if you're the son of God, and he's not saying like, hey, prove you're the son of God. What he's saying is like, since you're the son of God, you know, this whole thing happened at the river. I know who you are. You're the son of God. We're out here walking around where nobody's around. Just take that stone and make it bread and, and have a snack. Now, again, that's, I read that and I go, okay, like out of the three, like could Jesus have done this one and been okay? Like kind of got a pass, like he needs, he needs food. He's like right there, like what if he hits 40 days on the minute and goes, okay, done. Stone, bread, oh good, I don't have to walk to somebody's house, I don't have to wait for DoorDash to show up, like I, I can just eat right now, I can do it. Is this okay to do? It seems like it, it would be, oh, oh, that's fine. Like if you're sitting at home and you're really hungry and the devil says, hey, order some food. Is that, I mean, that's not like sinful, right? I mean, what Jesus does first is identify who's actually talking to him. That would be a helpful place to start. Is this an internal desire? Is this a longing that I have? Or is it a message from a source that is known for lying and deceiving and I shouldn't trust? And Jesus goes, well, this is from Satan. And then he responds with quoting scripture. And he says, for it is written, Although I'm really, really hungry, I remember this Bible verse in the book of Deuteronomy that says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by the very word of God. It seems like it would be okay to turn a stone into to bread or a cheeseburger or whatever he wants at the moment. But he says, when we look at Jesus' answers and what he says in that moment, it reveals to us what's really going on there, that there's more to this simple on face value, simple exchange. See, Jesus reads a verse or quotes a verse from not just a, a place in scripture that's, that's revealing something that's true, that, that human beings need more than food. We need food, but we need other things. That there's more to our needs and more to our capacity and more to who we are as created beings. That's a true thing, that we actually need God's truth and reality in our life to be who God created us to be. That's a true principle. And yet it's, it's placed in the context of a story or a narrative. And Jesus is taking just a phrase, a sentence out of that story or narrative. And what's going on in the narrative that he pulls it out of in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 is that we're hearing about the people of Israel. And the people of Israel have tested God and, and tried God and been unfaithful to God and put their needs and wants and desires before God in a way that's just grumbling and complaining and just annoying. And they've pushed back against God again, again, again. And they are actually in a wilderness. They're in the wilderness wandering, and God has consistently provided for them whatever they need. Not necessarily whatever they want, but whatever they need. God has been faithful to do that. And Jesus is quoting one phrase of that that says, God provided manna when you were hungry in the desert this weird kind of bread-like substance that just showed up on the ground in the mornings so that you had sustenance. But you don't survive just on what's on the ground in the morning. You need more than that. You need to be connected to the God of the universe who's guiding and providing for you, who has created you and is directing you somewhere. And so Jesus with the devil, while he's extremely hungry, remembers, no, God has promised to be my provider. 
And here's where I know, and back in his history of who he's been faithful to his people, he provides, and he's promised to provide for me. And the Holy Spirit has directed me to be out here for 40 days, and I've been walking around hungry for 40 days. And I'm not going to take over. I'm going to rely on and be faithful to God in this moment. And so it is written that humans don't survive just on food alone, but on a connection and hearing from and the very word of God in their lives. The second one's this. It says this. The devil tried again. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, again, it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. If you've read these verses before, if you've heard them before, and you've, you've tried to imagine what this would look like, um, that, that the devil takes Jesus up to a high place where he can see all the peoples of, of the world, like, what would that look like? And our imaginations are good enough, and people can recreate this in, in, in video and paint a picture of it and, and depict it in all different ways. But the reality is, is there's not a place on earth where this is possible. You can't climb high enough where you can see everyone, right? Jesus is walking around in the wilderness for 40 days. Maybe the devil showed up in some kind of physical form. Maybe he showed up in some kind of a vision. I believe that what's going on in Jesus right now is an internal mental debate, and he's processing his thoughts, and the devil is speaking to him. That might sound weird, but each and every one of us have had that experience. We've had the experience of being alone, maybe not even in a hard season or a hard time, but we've had the experience of being alone and fighting with our thoughts and what's going on and the mental internal battle that's going on with us. And that is not always just us. That we live in the context of a spiritual battle over all of the creation right now, and you and I are part of that. And the devil, and demons, and the, the power and authority that is at war against God in this world affects each and every one of us to some degree or another. And some of us have stories where that has been immensely painful and struggled, and it's destroyed relationships, and maybe we've even destroyed the life of somebody that we've known. Moving between what can be described and characterized as mental illness and some kind of spiritual attack or influence in our life is a very delicate and careful thing to navigate. I'm not an expert in that, very few are. But what we have here is Jesus, through his 40 days as we follow him, experiencing the devil, a voice speaking to him, debating with him, lying to him, twisting reality with him. And for some of us, there is great confidence and help in knowing that our high priest, Jesus Christ, walks some of the very same experiences that we have walked that we think no one else has. That we can actually talk to Jesus about that. The devil is speaking to him. Hey, everyone that has ever existed, everyone that is alive on this planet right now, you can have authority over them. You can be powerful them. You can have a crown and be the king over all of them. And all you have to do is worship me just for a moment. Man, that seems simple. 
that's, that's kind of easy. In fact, it's a lot easier than what I thought this was going to be like and how it was going to go because there was something about suffering in there and there was something about dying and giving my life and there was something about a cross and crucifixion and all of that can be sidestepped and I can just whip past all of that and get to the end and get the crown. And the temptation that the devil is speaking is that there's a shortcut and there's an easy way to get some kind of power or influence or acclaim or position. And you can sidestep and take a shortcut through a lot of the other ways. And for Jesus, it was the way of the suffering servant where he would actually give his life. And had he sidestepped that, you and I would be out of luck. You and I would be out of a pathway to be forgiven and washed clean and redeemed and healed. And Jesus says, no. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, the third way is this. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. There's no record of anybody looking up and seeing Jesus up there like, oh, hey, look who's there up there. So this could have been another experience, a mental image. It could have been some kind of, I don't know, pause in the space-time continuum and he jumped up there. We, we don't know exactly. But he's standing on the temple, it says, or imagining that, at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, Satan changes tactics here. Don't miss this. Satan changes tactics here and he's like, hey Jesus, you've been quoting scripture back to me, so try this one on. So Satan says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully and they will lift you up in their hands so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Up on the temple, fall down, get caught by angels in front of everyone. God loves you above all. You're special. You're unique. You're different. You didn't fall down and die. You're the special one. Everyone sees that. Satan quotes scripture back to Jesus. And he, he makes a, you know, a good effort. It's Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Um, he does what is so easy to do. Maybe some of us have done, maybe we've been led by leaders who have done this before, but to take something out of context and make it work because it feels and sounds so good. And Satan makes this mistake and he's probably doing it intentionally and he's twisting it and he's familiar with scripture and he takes it and he twists scripture and uses it and misuses it and is trying to abuse Jesus with it in some way. If you go to Psalm 91, 11 and 12 and you back up two verses where it says, hey, oh, God will protect you. If you jump, God will protect you. No, don't worry, because you're his beloved. He loves you. You're a, a daughter of God, a son of God. He'll protect you and save you, so just take the risk. Take the jump. God will not let you fall. The two verses prior to where Satan quotes, it says, if you claim that the Lord is my refuge and God is my dwelling place, then no harm will come to you. Angels will protect you. It's conditional. There's a context in which this is true, and Satan completely avoids that. And Jesus has already said it in the temptation above. No, I'm gonna worship God and serve him only. I'm gonna say that God is my refuge. I'm trusting him. He is the one that is providing for me. He is the one that has true power. I'm gonna rely on him. He's gonna protect me. I'm not gonna test him in some way to see if that works. God is my refuge. He's my dwelling place. I depend on him. And he answers with, 
Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Which again, he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. This time it's chapter 6, verse 16. And what he, is, what he is saying is that in this story that God wrote that really happened, that is part of history where he's faithful to the people of Israel, when they're consistently unfaithful to him, when they're in the wilderness, they were tested and wanted food. They were tempted and responded in a poor, immature, inappropriate way. When, when God appeared to be gone for a moment, they went to idolatry, to a different power source. They made a calf and put it up on a, on a stage and thought, if we worship this calf, then we'll have real power. And then they complain and grumble at one particular plate that, that's, that they end up naming um, something with an M, Manasseh or something. And he says, that's where they tested God again, that they weren't faithful, that they didn't trust, but they decided to test God. And Jesus says, I'm not gonna do that. And in doing that, he completes his temptation. And there's this mirror experience in one wilderness generations earlier where the people of Israel failed test after test where Jesus is tempted and he passes test after test and he proves as the one that is trustworthy. And what we learn about ourselves as we follow Jesus through these 40 days and these three temptations is that there's these, each temptation reveals a part of our humanity that is just who we are that we can't avoid, that we have appetites. We have desires and needs and longings and are we willing to, to submit those to God and say, God, you're my provider and I'm gonna go to you first and not be on my own to meet all my own needs and all my own desires. That I'm not gonna react out of the fear I'm never gonna have enough of what I want. The second one is this, they're all gonna be A's, this is really helpful to remember, is ambition. That we all have some level of ambition. That we want to accomplish something and conquer something and be known for something. That we want to have this ambition and drive that we accomplish, and we're tempted often to get power through destructive, shortcut, inappropriate, illegitimate ways. Instead to say, God, you have all the power, and I'm going to rely on you. And the third one is approval. That we want others to see that we're loved, that we're valuable. We want others to respect us and admire us. We want others to, to care about us that we want approval. And so we're willing to compromise and do things so that we get that and feel that. Instead of saying, the approval that most matters and most shapes us and most sustains us is the approval from our Creator and our Savior. Jesus' three tests and temptation reveal to us, I think it covers the whole of the human experience. Anything that we're struggling with, any need or unmet desire, any longing that we have, anything that's going on inside of us can fit in one of these threes, appetite, ambition, and approval. And to be able to identify when is it that I'm working under my own means and my own strength to get those accomplished, and when am I saying, God, you are my provider. You are the source of all true power. You are the one that will protect me when I rely on you. So here's my question. I've got two of them. I want to encourage you to, to answer these over the course of today or this week, but to take time and reflect on, of these three, appetite, ambition, and approval, which is the one that you find yourself struggling with most often? 
Which is your area of, of weakness and of need? Which is the one that constantly shows up in your life as needing to be addressed? To pick that, and not just to be able to identify it, but then be able to connect Jesus' story with it. Where is it in your life that you need the good news of Jesus to connect with your appetite, your ambition, or your approval? Jesus became needy so that we could be fully satisfied. So when you have an appetite and desire, a longing for something that you want in your life, to be able to hold that before God and say, God, I really wanna go and get this accomplished on my own. I don't think I'm gonna feel right or feel settled or feel satisfied unless I am fulfilled and experienced fill in the blank. And to be able to say, God, you created that, that natural and good desire inside of me. How do I submit that to you and trust you with that? You went through a time of being in need and trusted God. How can I do that today? How can I find my satisfaction first and foremost in you and then submit my appetites to you? I have ambition. I wanna go after something. I wanna have power. And Jesus models becoming absolutely weak to the point of, being defeated on the cross before conquering death and rising again so that you and I could be strong in this world, which is extremely challenging. As we walk out of this time and go off into our city, into our week, we find that it is extremely difficult to be faithful to Jesus and to be a light for him and pursue God-given, God-designed ambition in this time and place. And yet God wants to do that through each and every one of us but when we go off and try to do it on our own, we get off track. We might actually accomplish it, and that could be the worst thing for us. And so how do we say, Jesus, you became weak so that I can be strong in you? And when we seek to, to have approval, we find that, that Jesus allowed himself to be completely poured out and completely sacrificed so that we could find acceptance. He was rejected by everyone around him, and he was killed on the cross so that we could be accepted. We could be forgiven, washed clean, accepted into the family of God and be called a daughter or a son of God. And rather than going to find an approval on all the unhealthy ways that we can pursue it in this life and that we found fall short, would we find full satisfaction and full acceptance in the God of the universe who created us, designed us, and is always near? So which of the three for you and how do you speak the good news of Jesus, the gospel, to that area today? And the second question is this. As we've followed Jesus closely through his temptations in 40 days in the desert, as we've trailed behind him and see how he's navigated, we see two things. He, he relied on the Holy Spirit, and he knew Scripture. He followed the Holy Spirit, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he knew Scripture. And so for us to stand testing and temptation in our lives and in this world, we need both of those. And so here's the question. Which one are you weakest in right now? Which one do you need? And maybe you're like, ah, both equally. All three, I need them all. Like, I can't identify which one. Or maybe you know, like, I really am in tune with the Holy Spirit's voice, but I don't know if I could point to scripture and, and have that direct me. That you pick one, and, and if it's the Holy Spirit, you need to grow in, in listening and hearing the Holy Spirit's voice. Would you start with this this week? Just simply talking to the Holy Spirit. If we had to pick God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we spend more time talking to God the Father and God the Son. 
and we leave off, leave off God the Holy Spirit, that you would speak to the Holy Spirit, have a conversation with him. Let's just simply start there. I want to hear your voice. I want to respond obedient to your prompting. Help me be attuned to your voice. If it's scripture, would you take time just reading scripture, opening it up? We're going to be doing this. Um, on March 2nd is a, is, a, is a moment called Ash Wednesday, and we're going to be gathering for Ash Wednesday, and it starts a, a series of 40 days plus Sundays that is called Lent. Some of you are familiar with Lent. Others of you have never heard about it before. Others of you thought that uh, Catholics owned it, and we can't talk about it. It's 40 days. It's based on this moment in the life of Jesus. It's the 40 days of fasting that he had in the desert. And what it is is it, for us this year... And, this, this is just up here. Just, just look at this up here on the screen and just think, I need to go to the website and look this up. It's gonna look really, really good on the website. Um, if you've been around, you know we've been talking about now and next, and this is a great little reminder. Our screens and our projectors are about dead, and we've got on order now new stuff. But this looks very average, and um, Connor put a lot of time into it and looks awesome, so go look at it online. Lent is 40 days um, that mirrors this time of Jesus in the desert, and so we're going to start it with Ash Wednesday. And when we get into Lent, uh, we're going to be having uh, a guide that's going to guide us through Scripture as we teach every Sunday, and so that's about four weeks away, and that's coming. In the meantime, if you just read along in the book of Luke, that would be a good place to start. But to be equipped, being able to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice and being in scripture that we can respond with temptation with God's word, God's truth. We're gonna take time to, to just put our failures when it comes to temptation before God right now. And we're gonna take communion. And the good news of Jesus is that he gave his life, he conquered death and rose again. And so we're gonna, we're gonna say, Jesus, the times that I have failed, the moments that I haven't known how to respond to temptation, the times that I've been weak, the times that I've chose my own way instead of your way, I'm gonna put them all gladly and easily and fully in front of you, and I'm gonna accept your forgiveness and your grace into my life. You died on the cross, you conquered death, and you rose again, and therefore I can be forgiven, I can be renewed and healed again. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna take together, and if you've got uh, a cup, you can push, I think you peel back, there we go, and then you push down um, the little wafers on the top representing Christ's body, and the juice represents his blood. Jesus, as we followed behind you through 40 days of hunger in the desert and of you responding to the one that we do battle with every day in this world, as you responded to, to Satan and his voice and his lies and his power with, with truth and strength and purity, we want to be formed more like you so that we can do the same in our moments in the wilderness in this life right here and right now. And so would you help us to do that? And as we have failed, will you forgive us? As we confess to you, will you make us clean? And Holy Spirit, will you speak to us and empower us so that we can seek you and walk in tune with you and respond to you? We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.